Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. We're minus a bald man, but he a bald man, but I'm sure he'll be joining us shortly. Uh, Bob, we just <laughs> watched a basketball game. Uh, number one versus number two. Two yes. teams in the final four in the semifinal game. One team obviously advanced. That was Gonzaga and lost yeah. the game to a very, very talented Baylor team. What is your first thought after watching this Gonzaga team absolutely dominate, dominate every aspect of the game against UCLA? My first reaction is, wow. <laughs> they, they were so impressive from start to finish, Seth. And I, you know, they're the most efficient offense in the nation. And, you know, that says one thing, but I don't think people realize how uh, impactful their transition game is. And they don't just run after turnovers, after missed shots. Even if you make a basket, they're right up at you quickly. And it puts so much pressure on your transition defense that if you're not getting back and getting matched up, with the way that they're able to move the basketball and find open guys, you're in absolute trouble. Uh, Seb, we felt that game was over really in the first five to seven minutes of that game. Um, They have it all. I mean, and you look at a night like tonight, Seth, I mean, one of my big keys was Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy dropped 37 on then number five, Texas, had 22 in the first half. And we talked about how important it was for Miles Johnson to kind of hold this ground, not go for Drew Timmy wasn't even the featured star in this game. Andrew Nimhard absolutely dictated tempo, uh, whether it be in half court, coming off ball screen situations, in transition to the rim. This was a dominant performance by the worthy number one team in the country. Yeah, to me, you know, to me, defensive transition was one of the most important parts of this basketball game. And, you know, your defensive transition is connected to your ball security and shots. And part of your shot selection is just not made to miss shots. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rebounds are out in transition. Part of your shot selection is if you get to the rim and you're playing against a team with great (laughs) blocker like Chad Holker, all right, you get a paint touch, you draw the defender, and then you make a pass and maybe make one. You know, talking to Mick Cronin before the game, he said blocked shots create scoring opportunities for these athletes they have the ability to run out of them. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. All right. They drove it. It Mm -hmm. was the shot was blocked. All of a sudden, now Gonzaga's out in transition. (laughs) Yeah. Advantage, disadvantage, and make a place. The other thing is defensive transition. Miles Johnson, he was always behind the play. Like Always behind. Defense, you've got to outnumber the ball. You've got to corral the ball, slow down the basketball. You've got mm-hmm. to get matched up. And UCLA did not do a very good job defense nope. containing the ball, then building a wall, and then mm-hmm. getting matched up. So mm-hmm. that was really just a byproduct. I was really disappointed in the decision-making, the ball movement, the people movement of UCLA. Yes. But let's give Gonzaga's defense their Oh, credit. yeah. Don't, are- don't get me wrong now. <laughs> yes. So let's give Andrew Nebard his credit. Yes. yes. Uh, and for all the naysayers or you know people that are concerned about Chet Holmgren, uh, to me he was better than advertised. On Agreed. That. Agreed. And, and, and so we we've talked about as good as that Gonzaga team was last year. The one thing they were missing was somebody who could erase mistakes at the rim. 
<laughs> Chet Holmgren was absolutely brilliant. There was a point in the first half, if I'm remembering correctly, sir, that I think UCLA was, what, one for 12 on layups? And it was partly because the big fellow was coming in, blocking and altering shots. He had three block shots at halftime, and the one that he didn't block, he altered. And what happens, is when you have that kind of uh, height and length, and you're exactly right, when you're driving in there and you're penetrating deep and you see a second guy coming over, particularly in this case, Holmgren, you got to be aware of who to make the next pass to. Seth, he's so long and so big, I think he was taking away uh, viewing angles to even make the pass. I, his his display, I, I thought the play of the game for him, he blocks a shot on one end, pushes it up the floor, throws it behind his back, and jumps with two feet from seeming like the foul line and dunks it. And that was kind of emblematic of the entire way the game went uh, tonight uh, in favor of Gonzaga. They were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was a total domination. And, you know, you want to talk about storylines. You want to say, you know, what happened? Why did it happen? How did it happen? Uh, you saw he didn't play well. But I, I, I would say I would tip my cap to Gonzaga in how they played. I always talk about flow. So if you, if you don't get something in transition, most teams would bring it out or run a secondary or reset. Yeah. Vega gets right into their concepts. They get right into their flow. The ball moves, and all of a sudden, it's dribble handoff, high ball screen, flare on the backside. They're not quite their actions that are drilled and taught and concepts. It's react. It's feel. You watch this game. Gonzaga, I don't think they took a bad shot. Nope. I think they made very many bad advantage disadvantage decisions. Right. I don't think they made any risk reward plays. They defended. Yes. Transition. They played with spacing. Mm-hmm. And they, they absolutely dominated. Yes. Dominated the game from start to finish. Hey, Seth, you mentioned flow and how easy they flow into their offense. Did you notice how I just flowed over to my door to get my room service delivered to me right there? And you didn't even notice I even missed a beat there, big boy. That was that, Franz. I have to admit, I know one thing. What? I'm going to get that final meal of the day. <laughs> I mean, whether in Vegas yes. or in Bristol, yes. Franz is going to get that last meal of the day. There's no I doubt. Missed- I miss my double turkey burgers in Bristol, though, and my little kale salad, Seth. I had to, you know, I had to go with the little Asian food this time around. It, it, it's coming. There's no doubt about it. So, <laughs> I mean, now it's almost, you know, you think about it. With this game um, behind us, what do we have to look forward to? I'll tell you what we have to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow starts Battle for Atlantis. The Bad Boy Mowers yeah. Battle for Atlantis. Tomorrow yeah. it's Michigan State Loyola. All right, a little team that went to the Elite Eight, if I'm not mistaken, last year. A little team that has one of the youngest coaches in the country, Drew Valentine. A loyal team that returns everyone but Cameron Krautway. A loyal team that I think is shooting about 33s a game against a Michigan State team that's still developed in our identity. It's Auburn, Connecticut. What a great game that, that'll be. It's Baylor, all right, who I, you know, I've got a chance to watch a little bit on tape that LJ Cryer is playing at a, at a yes, high Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Matt Meyer, uh, JTT, Jonathan Chama Chachua. I mean, we've got so much to look forward to. Duke, Gonzaga on Friday. Yes. What a week of basketball. And then 
first thoughts when you, you when you heard Coach Vitale get on the mic? Uh, emotional, Seth. Um, I can't imagine what it must be like. Look, the game, the college basketball game, I don't think would have the type of notoriety and following that it has without Dig Vitale. I mean, to just, I happened to run into him last night uh, as we were coming up the elevator and he, his wife and I talked for quite a bit. And he said, Fonz, you know what I'm concerned about? He said, I'm concerned about losing it emotionally when I go on air tomorrow. Will I be able to maintain my composure? And sure enough, in the open, uh, he, he, he just was broken up, not, not almost like a, in a global uh, perspective, Seth, so thankful and grateful to actually be able to call a game overwhelmed by the texts, the phone calls, the, Hey, Dickie V we're praying for you. That kind, that kind of thing. And to see that kind of flow out into the game, I felt a great sense of pride uh, for being working for the, the greatest sports network in the world uh, as a coworker of his. And uh, I don't know whose idea it was to have him call the game tonight, especially under the circumstances, but I don't think it was, I don't think it could have been more fitting than to have him back behind the mic uh, here in his, uh, these are diaper dandy baby. And, and all that. I, I thought it was great. Uh, it was great. It, it was, it was heartwarming for me. And 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 encouraging that a guy who's going through chemotherapy right now uh, can can at eighty what is he eighty two years old? Sir? I think so. I mean, yeah, he, yeah, to be able to find the reserve and the strength and the courage to to and the fortitude to uh, travel all the way here to Vegas uh, to to get behind the mic, and I thought he did a brilliant job behind the mic tonight. Yeah, I, I was moved, and I knew Coach would be emotional. Uh, but you know what? Once the ball went up, and, and mm-hmm. this, I thought this was one of the best games I've heard him call in a long time. Great point. Right on it. He was locked in, the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, the game got out of hand. He gave context to what was happening. He gave context to you know, where UCLA is. He gave context to Holmgren and his potential. And yes. And the perception of his game, the unselfishness, the Nebhard and his development, his changing role. Yeah. Uh, I thought coach, I thought coach was great. I thought coach was great. And uh, I said, the season will officially begin when he's back. Now look. Yes. Oh, that was well said. Long road ahead of him. You know, he needs to be careful. I know he's excited. I know he's going to go out. He's going to have a great, but he needs to understand, you know, he's got his vac- vaccinations, but he's also got a lot of stuff that's knocking that cancer out. He's got to be ultra careful, but uh, to have coach back, uh, the voice of college basketball for yes. someone who won't grow up with, uh, you know, games feel big when he's on the game and just mm-hmm. there. Uh, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for yes. his family. Uh, and I think it's also part of his healing. I mean, mm-hmm. healthy for him. So fantastic. Absolutely incredible. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got great basketball ahead of us. So yes, just want to give a quick kind of recap of UCLA. And you know what? We might have to come back, you know, and do a quick recap of UCLA. I mean, excuse me, Gonzaga and Duke, or maybe even the semifinals. Who knows of the, the bad boy uh, mowers, uh, Battle for Atlanta, so. (laughs) That's right. All right, Fonz, before we go, you know, we got a lot of basketball. We're in here until uh, Friday night, and Duke 
and obviously Gonzaga. But we got a lot of basketball in front of us in the next few days. What are you looking forward to? Seth, I'm looking forward to seeing UConn on the larger stage. I actually think they have the depth and the talent and the experience to actually be able to win the entire thing. They're playing a little bit differently. They've always had a dynamic guard that kind of led the way for them. This year, they're playing through their big Adama Sanogo, and he's been terrific uh, scoring around the rim, blocking shots, rebounding. R.J. Cole has been brilliant from the perimeter. Uh, they're, 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 they got shooters all over the floor and tremendous depth across the front line. So I'm looking forward to seeing them lace it up against some of the higher level competition and see if they can't win this thing. Because I think they're a team in that Big East that can compete with Villanova for the Big East regular season title. They might have the deepest front court in college basketball. So no go. You talk about Isaiah Whaley, who's a terrific role mm-hmm. player. Yeah. Who he is. Obviously, a cook, a cook is very good. Yes. Uh, Martin kid plays so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, RJ Cole, their backcourt's got to play well. And, and yes. they're going to challenge. This, this is the game I'm looking forward to Auburn and, and UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Jabari Smith, people are going to get to know Jabari Smith, 6'10, can put him four boosters, putting him in situations. Mm-hmm. Walker Kessler, uh, who has not played as no. well start of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sepp Jesper is a, a very dynamic physical guard that's going to get up and underneath. Uh, both teams are going to get up and down. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Uh, both teams are going to be built on the defensive end. They, UConn's defense, suffocating, absolutely suffocating. Their ability to get to the glass, suffocating. They're going to challenge yep. every, not every yep. pass. That game, to me, is going to be real. I mean, tomorrow uh, – that game to me is going to be not a good game. It's going to be an absolutely I great agree. 30 mm-hmm. big time game. Uh, the Michigan State, I want to see Michigan State against Loyola. Loyola returns every single player but Cameron Crowley. Yeah. Yeah. They don't return their coach. Porter Moses mm-hmm. over at, at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Valentine is a former graduate assistant for Thomas. Yes. Uh, you know, Drew Valentine's brother, obviously Denzel, played and was. <laughs> yeah. And led Michigan State to a Final Four. Mm-hmm. What a great opportunity! Terrific young coach. Uh, they've got the core of their team back. They're playing a similar style, but playing a little bit free, more freed up and a little bit faster offensively. Teacher, mm-hmm. uh, pupil, new head coach, his first big game. UConn, Auburn. You're talking about a four-hour period, all on ESPN, of high-level basketball. Great drama. And then in the evening, I'm looking forward to seeing Baylor. I want to see Baylor throughout yeah. the I want to see just how good they are. I want to see that Cryer's been so good. Now you he guys, has been and Mitchell and 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 Jared Butler. I mean, those guys were terrific. And Mark Vidal and his toughness and his physicality yeah. and his ability to defend multiple positions. I had a chance to watch Baylor practice. I was really impressed. Scott Drews just gets those guys to buy into. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Uh, I, who I thought was maybe going to be seeking shots. He's not seeking shots. He's making good decisions. So, you know how much I love Matt Meyer. <laughs> no, Matt Meyer is your guy. So, yes. I'm just excited about sitting down and watching ball tomorrow and, and really kind of getting it. Again, it's not where teams are right now. And that's the biggest misconception. Mm-hmm. Baseline. It's where teams are going, and I'm excited to see where teams are. So, see how much they can grow as the season moves along. I absolutely agree. 
All right, Taylor, that's going to wrap it up. Hopefully, Coach Bills will give you a call. He's a very busy man. Uh, <laughs> good ball and uh, a lot of ball for the rest of the week. This is going to be a great week. And then right from this, we go to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. It's just going to wow. be a next seven to ten months of basketball. Yes.